0: wanting to start here today some startling numbers I guess when it comes to drinking and driving and drugs and driving there's been a new survey Uh, done for MAD Canada and it shows that young men aged 18 to 34 continue to have higher than average rates of driving after consuming alcohol, cannabis or other drugs. Now the survey was done by Ipsos on behalf of MAD and it talked to 3,000 Canadians from the legal driving age to the age of 70. It talked to them about their consumption and whether they drove afterwards and whether or not they believed that they were impaired. Now THE SURVEY DIDN'T SHOW BIG INCREASES OR DECREASES IN OVERALL RATES, BUT THAT TREND OF DRIVING AFTER CONSUMING DRUGS OR ALCOHOL IN THE YOUNG MALE CATEGORY CONTINUES. SO WHY IS THAT? AND and I'M CURIOUS TO KNOW AT YOUR HOUSE, WHAT DOES IT LOOK LIKE WHEN IT COMES TO HAVING CONVERSATIONS ABOUT DRINKING AND DRIVING OR USING CANNABIS OR OTHER DRUGS AND DRIVING? Do you offer up rides? Do you have those conversations? Do you have chats about taking a cab or an Uber? The other part, has cannabis become a part of that conversation as well? Let me know at 780-496-0063. Eric Dumschat is MAD Canada's legal director and Eric joins me this afternoon. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get into this. Um, When you take a look at those numbers and it shows that, that 18 to 34 that continues to have higher than average rates is driving after consuming alcohol, cannabis or other drugs, do we know why? What is going on in that segment?
1: Uh, Well, unfortunately, it's not surprising that this demographic is as elevated as they are. We know young men, uh, frankly, make poor decisions when it comes to risky behavior. Uh, And part of that is because, you know, they're young, they see themselves as invincible, and they don't think that they are going to be the one in a crash that kills or injures someone or themselves, or that they will be caught... uh, you know, driving impaired. Uh, and we asked uh, people, you know, who admit, admitted to driving while they believed they were impaired uh, from alcohol, from cannabis, from other drugs, and at least for alcohol, and this is mirrored across the other categories as well, is, you know, they said, oh, I didn't feel impaired. I thought I could drive uh, carefully. I didn't have far to drive. These persistent myths that we've been trying to fight for years just won't die
0: so and then then the other question is why won't those myths just die have we not done a good enough job in educating people have we not done a good enough job in getting the message out there or did we and has it faded off i i to me, I mean, I, I, I believe that, you know, I'm now in a segment of population, I'm 50 years old, that, um, you know, for the most part, all of my friends use cabs, use Ubers, have their kids pick them up, something like that. What's happened?
1: Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think it's uh, a little bit of, of two different things. Uh, the first is that... Um, Young people, young men especially, you, we can educate and, you know, we have and my Canada has and other, the government, other uh, anti-impair driving uh, charities have educated on the consequences. But unfortunately for young people, they uh, respond better to not, uh, you can't tell them, oh, you'll, you'll kill, you'll injure someone or yourself, because they don't think they'll be the ones that this happens to. Rather, you need to um, focus on the consequences. So, hey, you drive impaired, you will be caught. Uh, Alberta is a leader in the youth and mandatory alcohol screening. So, you know, the cops are out there, they will get you. And you will lose your license Mm. your car will be impounded there are monetary penalties etc and so uh, research shows that young people respond sort of better to that than these uh broader educational efforts Mm. because they don't think it's going to affect them
0: Mm. yeah that they're invincible it's not going to happen to them curious to know about you know the populations outside of that you know 18 to 34 uh eric i know when we take a look at some of the breakdown of those numbers um 71% of drivers who used alcohol in the past 30 days 6% said they drove at least once in the past six months while they believe they were impaired and 45% drove with passengers is that number getting lower or is that holding fairly steady as well
1: uh, I'd say they're holding uh, fairly steady. Uh, this is the uh, third round of this survey we've done. Uh, the, first, well, the first two were in 2021, so more of a pandemic uh, impact on that one. And now that we're sort of getting out of it, uh, the, the data and the trend should become more clear because, you know, there's no more, hopefully anyways, no more lockdowns to, you know, change up behavior and whatnot.
0: Eric, do you think that there's um, some big misconceptions about the difference of driving after you've been drinking and driving after consuming cannabis or maybe some prescription drugs?
1: Yes, uh, I I I would definitely agree with that statement. Um, You know, people seem to think that, oh, you know, it's cannabis or it's a prescription drug. And, you know... If you're driving impaired, you're driving impaired regardless of the substance, um, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cannabis, whether it's a prescription drug. You know, a prescription drug used by the correct person um, in the correct dosage may not be impairing. But if you're using it for recreational purposes or to get high, then it's definite, it's a different ballpark.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I always I always shake my head when I hear and uh, I'll see it on my text line or I'll see it somewhere so oh and and you touched on this oh no I'm a better driver when I've had you know a little bit of weed or if I've had a couple of drinks and I think to myself come on like really like where 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 do you get that belief from right like where does that again that that invincibility belief it just is mind-boggling to me Eric
1: yeah, no, um, I, I was at a conference recently, um, it, and they, one of the presentations was talking about how they had surveyed people uh, to get an impression of, you know, what is the societal belief of impaired driving? And there was great condemnation, impaired driving is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And then they would ask them, well, have you driven? And Well, you believed you would be impaired. Yes. Well, how does that you know link up? It's because they don't think that. Well, I'm the good impaired driver. I only had a short distance, so it doesn't really count, mm. right? It's it, it's a uh, it's a disturbing belief. If if you, you the what we recommend is separating the act of drinking or consuming drugs entirely from the act of driving. Take. Uh, A cab, an Uber, public transit, have a designated driver. Uh, There are a myriad of different ways in which you can enjoy yourself while also keeping the roads and your fellow Canadians safe.
0: Eric, we touched on... um and kind of what the messaging needs to be if we go back to that to that young male segment of the population, that 18 to 34, who, you know, uh, by the way, um, you know, the road fatal, fatalities are higher among young males uh, as well. You touched on awareness efforts and education efforts and kind of the different ways you might have to, to use them when it's targeting that group, but are there... Uh, do we need some stronger laws some policy change what do you, what do you think on that end?
1: Uh, so in one of our recent policy initiatives it was called the top 10 report and as part of this we provided bespoke recommendations for every jurisdiction in Canada on how they can improve uh, their traffic safety laws And for Alberta for example, uh, two of our priority recommendations, uh, which are the three recommendations we believe will have the largest impact on a jurisdiction in reducing uh, deaths, injuries, and rates of impaired driving, were to increase sanctions in regards to the graduated licensing program. Mm. So in Alberta, there's zero BAC limit, but it only extends till the end of the GLP. In a lot of other jurisdictions, and it's indeed best practice, it's that this this limit zero alcohol, zero drugs should be until the age of 22, or those who have less than five years of the driving experience. <sighs> uh, you know, driving's hard, and when you're young, you don't have the experience with alcohol, you don't have the experience with drugs. So the more time we can give these young drivers, these drivers who are overrepresented in crash deaths and uh, injuries. Uh, time away from having to also deal with the effects of alcohol and drugs, the safer everyone on the roads will be.
0: Eric, we're going to have to leave it there this afternoon, but thanks for joining me for the important conversation. I sure appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet, Eric. Dumschat is the uh, Mad Canada Legal Director. Uh, the rates of road fatalities higher among young males. According to MAD statistics, motor vehicle crashes are the leading cause of death among 16 to 25-year-olds. And alcohol and or drugs are a factor in 55% of those crashes. And look at this number. Males account for 87% of the young, fatally injured drinking drivers and 89% of the seriously injured drinking drivers. What conversations are you having in your place or have you had? I